Welcome to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody. I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I am James. And this week we are going to be talking about season two, episode six, The Dance. However... Before we get into that, we have some Capeside correspondence to get to. Is that right, Stella? Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, so um, (laughs) first off, thank you to Chad for your generous donation on Buy Me a Coffee. Chad. 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 Chad is red. Chad is red. Chad is red. Chad is red. Chad. If you also want to buy us a coffee, feel free to check out our website and you'll find a little link. Yeah, head on over there. You'll find us. Or if you know what Buy Me a Coffee is, just search for us there. If you don't, you don't need to know. <laughs> we all just put on sunglasses. If you got to ask, <laughs> you don't. What's it? You know. Yeah, you yeah, know. You know. Yeah, you know. Fight Club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Yeah. So Chad also left us a sweet message. Um, in summary, he said, I've seen this series so many times. I've lost count, but your show makes it feel brand new. Oh, so sweet. Very so nice. sweet. Feels brand new to us. Yeah. Love you, Chad. Uh, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> wow. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, Chad. <laughs> She's my girl. <laughs> uh, also, Sluey84 left us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, saying the show is refreshing and funny and relatable, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Thank you, Sluey. We love you. We love you and we love five-star reviews. Seriously, though, like these reviews make me so happy. I I just, it's so weird that people listen and yeah. are enjoying this. And yeah. I'll like read them sometimes. And I'm like, what is this? This is like so. We're so just four millennials from Portland and we <laughs> never thought nobody would listen to us. If you don't know Stella, she is always frowning, always crying, very upset all of the time. Yes. Living with her is like living with a dark cloud. Jeez. But oh the clouds part whenever she looks at your review listener and she is all smiles, eyes are wide open, no tears to be seen. It's wonderful. Keep yeah. them coming. Yeah, thanks Please. everybody. You don't want Stella to cry, do you? Come on. <laughs> oh my God. Read a review, read a review quick. <laughs> if you don't want Stella to cry, go to Apple Podcasts right now and leave us a five-star review. And you know what? We just might read it next week or whenever we record next. <laughs> uh, speaking of, as you guys probably know, if you are loyal listeners, we've been on a little bit of a break. We had our summer hiatus. If you're listening far in the future, don't even worry about it. This one seamlessly came out right after the last episode. But uh, yeah, do, what, do, what, what do we want to share about our break? Any big news from anybody? I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, I guess I forgot that. I guess we got married. Yeah, Mal and I got married. Yay. Yeah, it was in a stadium and there was such big cheers just like that. <sighs> so, you know, we wanted to thank you because that time off allowed us to take a much uh, needed vacation and a honeymoon. And uh, what did you guys do, Cody, Stella? We did not get married. What? Yeah, sorry, we didn't get married, but we worked a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Just worked a lot. Work, work, any work. trips, any shows? Um, I saw Wolves in the Throne Room uh, for the second time. Great show. I saw uh, f- 
Full of Hell and Primitive Man play together. That was extremely good. We saw the National. We saw the National. Wow. They were very good. Um, yeah, I think that's it for the concerts. Watched a lot of movies. I'll have a recommendation oh, later boy. for a movie. <laughs> um, that's it. Oh, went to a bachelor party. One of my oldest friends, Sam, shout out to Sam, is getting married. I'm going to be officiating Wowie. that wedding. Nice. And so we had a crazy bachelor party at the beach. And by crazy, I mean we went to bed pretty early <laughs> and Sam went metal detecting every morning <laughs> at dawn. <laughs> wow, that so, sounds amazing. It was a good time. Is metal detecting a euphemism? <laughs> uh, for getting crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Well, that sounds great. I hope everybody listening at home or wherever you're listening had a good summer. It was great for us, and we are very excited to be back talking about Dawson's Creek. Um, like I mentioned, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 6, The Dance. This episode was released on November 11th, 1998, 11-11-98, and its synopsis is A Homecoming Dance Brings Pacey and Andy Together while driving Dawson and Joey apart. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It was written by John Harmon Feldman, our good friend, and directed by Lou Antonio. And I, Cody's reaction tells me something. What, Cody? I don't know if anyone checked out Lou's IMDb. I did not. Uh, he's a multifaceted character. He uh, not only directs, but he also acts. And he oh. happened to be in a very mediocre episode of Star Trek, the original series, wow. the season three episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. And he uh, played an alien that's half white and half black because it's a very surface level, thinly veiled uh, allegory for racism. Wow. Uh, wow. So Lou is a trekker. God bless him. God bless you, Lou Antonio. If you're listening, we love you. <laughs> Leave us a five-star review, please. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cool. He's touch greatness. He knows Kirk. He knows Kirk. I bet they're friends. I bet they hang out. I bet. Do you think that he ran this by Shatner and he was like, hey, I just got this great gig. Do you want to check the script real, real quick for me? <laughs> if I know anything about Bill Shatner is that he is a very nice person yes. to everyone that he's worked with. And I'm sure that he, he gave the helping. okay. Yeah. yeah. You call him Bill? Yeah. Billy boy. Yeah. If you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill. Yeah. Bill boy. Bill boy. Bill boy. Well, this episode has just a little bit of everything. I loved it. I hope you guys did too. It has parental separation. It has himbo appreciation. It has ironic conversation, school dance humiliation, post-betrayal reconciliation, and romantic symbol obliteration. I loved this episode. Are you really Wonka? I am, yes. Uh, welcome to my chocolate factory. <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah. Are we ready to jump in? Let's dive. All right. Without further ado, Cody. And if people love hearing my voice, well, you're going to get a lot of it. <laughs> While dancing along to a VHS screening of Footloose in Dawson's room, Andy argues to Dawson, Pacey, and Joey that she believes they should go to the school dance. Our heroes are quick to become naysayers until Andy equates dancing to sex and that it would make great foreplay. Yowza, hubba hubba. Awooga. Awooga. Before class the next day, Joey tells Bessie about Jack smooching her. Big Sis believes this to be NBD and tells her to not tell Dawson about it. <laughs> In the hallways of Capeside High, Joey and Dawson discuss their awkward transition from friends to lovers. <laughs> and the conversation switches to Joey's bright idea of inviting Jen to the dance to cheer her up. Plus, getting her away from that bad apple happy. 
Outside, Andy and Pacey talk about their plans to the dance, and Pacey iterates that he will not be dancing. When Dawson shows up, Andy asks if it would be cool if she brought Brother Jack to the sock hop. Dawson then gets the idea that they should set him up with Jen to Pacey's absolute mortification. Meanwhile, Abby talks up the importance of the dance and her plans to take hot hunk Brent to Bone Town. <laughs> And later at home, Dawson finds his parents on the porch and they let him know they're planning on separating, to which Dawson feels positively miffed about. Ooh. Well, first off, those boys in the beginning when, uh, what's your face, Andy, <laughs> <laughs> um, equates dance to sex, just the way that the, the boys' yeah. faces yes. light up. Uh-huh. Yep. What? Wait. <laughs> you mean thrusting our hips at one another? Could mean something other than dancing. Yeah. Who could believe it? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was a pretty interesting little exchange there. And then Andy just lays it all out. And she's like, even you guys would rather watch movies about things and doing them. They're like, yeah, yeah, totally. We don't like doing anything. She's just like, watch movies. <laughs> Which is what I imagine Cody says all the time, right? This is exactly what I said. <laughs> and then Andy's like, even sex. <laughs> and of course, I think Dawson and and Pacey were like, well, yeah, we love watching movies about sex. Are you kidding me? But wait, mm-hmm. you mean we could have sex at the dance? <laughs> Dances are just giant orgies. Pretty much. It's I love so f- Pacey's reaction. But also then he like says he doesn't dance later. Yeah. So it's like, what? But he was very excited about, about that, that mm-hmm. Andy was saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is like really funny to think about, um, you know, looking back as a young teen and how much we like, built up dances totally. and like how it like yeah it could turn into something more exciting oh yeah um and how much that is like portrayed in movies and tv it's yeah. just like the school dance like that's where everything happens it's a great thing to use for drama mm-hmm. Definitely. You know? yes yeah yeah and it looks cinematic yeah. i love a good dance it's true I, I love that this whole act, you know, we're kind of getting the whole build up to what's going to happen. They're really lay, like setting out the stakes. And I feel like what Andy says in that scene kind of kind of lays it all out there. Like the dance is going to be like the make or break point for your relationship, right? Mm. Like you go there and you dance and you're going to figure it all out. You're either going to end up, mm. you know, taking it to the next level or you're going to realize that you guys have no chemistry and you just can't get going. And we get both of those pretty and, much. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is probably my favorite cold open of the entire show so far, just Definitely. because it uh it really sticks in and starts sowing the seeds of the themes right off the bat. And like we joked about this this idea of uh witnessing something versus experiencing it. And I think that's like very much like a yeah, it's it's Dawson who he is. Like he would much rather like view it from afar than actually experience it himself. And when he does view it, it has to be cinematic. It has to be big Hollywood. It has to be you know right. quote unquote perfect in his eyes. And I thought it was really interesting because one of our early criticisms of this show is how everyone uh, is exactly the same. Everyone talks exactly the same. And this opening felt a little bit like that, like the like the first pilot episode when they kind of had their their riffing on. Um, you know, we'll have good memories of bitching right. and moaning instead of actually doing that. It was moaning like very, memories. Exactly. Yeah. And they sound exactly the same. But I thought it was so interesting because this is like a very Dawson thing to be like, oh, that's what, you know, I'm thinking about. But Joey here, by the end of this episode, she is not this person. Totally. Like we're mm-hmm. watching a full arc of Joey being like, I don't want to be the witnesser. I want to be the liver. I want to yes. live experiences. I don't want to be a part of this world that watches from afar. 
And I thought that was fucking sick as hell. Well, yeah. While you were saying that, I thought of something very interesting because in this first scene, Andy is kind of the ringleader. Yeah. Right. And then by the end, she is kind of the opposite where she's mm. like now with Pacey mm. and Joey is. Small. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a that is lo- yeah loose, you know, big transition. But yeah, it's it's kind of I, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah I. I uh, I really do like this cold open. I thought it was really funny just to see Andy dancing there and being kind of like a kid, so right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the other kids are all sitting there kind of like just like, hmm, you know, like I couldn't do that. Like making fun of her basically for actually wanting to take part in her childhood. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. And I kind of was curious where did we all fall? If we were in that room, where would we be? Would, be in, would we be like Andy encouraging us Andy. all? <laughs> Or would we be like Dawson and Casey? <laughs> so Mal's Andy, not surprising I'm anybody. I'm there dancing. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely be I on the couch that. like, no, fuck school dances, fuck school functions. Yeah. If I'm going, it's just there to make fun of everybody. I was all about going to the dances. Uh, I was a little sourpuss as a teen, but you know what? That was me uh, deflecting because in my in my heart of hearts, I would do absolutely anything to go to a school dance with a girl that liked me, but yeah. I knew, but I was so afraid of living and I was so afraid that I'd be rejected that I put up a front and was like, yeah, I'm never going to go to a school dance. Did you tell them that you don't dance? I don't know if I ever told anyone that I don't dance. I did. That's my mm. move. No, but it's still, it's still his move. Yes. Still, <laughs> but getting better. But yeah, I, I feel that code. That's definitely like where I was at too. I hate school dances just because I know I'm never going to, have that fun experience at the school dance. I remember going to a school dance in middle school and just being like awkwardly standing along the side. Like, yeah, I'm not way too shy to talk to anybody. And I'm sure somebody will talk to me because we're all kids. And then nobody did. And I was like, I hate this. This sucks. (laughs) I guess if I look back then I would have been, yeah, I was more shy. Yeah. Now I feel like I would be Andy, (laughs) but yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I would do absolutely anything right now for Stella to invite me to a high school dance. Man, you guys would look really good. Maybe we need to host a prom. Yeah, Ooh, that's Freaks a fun prom. idea. Mm. Okay, that's going to be all our first. listeners are invited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. virtual prom. <laughs> um, all right, so I want to move on. Uh, I thought that the ep- the uh, basically, you know, in the in the, our next scene, you know, chronologically speaking, is is uh, Joey in Bessie's truck, and she's kind of like confiding in Bessie about this friction and tension she feels because Jack kissed her. And Bessie's advice is basically like, well, what Dawson doesn't know won't hurt him, right? Like, pretend it doesn't happen. Pretend it didn't happen. Bury it down deep. And, you know, she he can't get upset about anything. And I thought that's really fucked up advice for, like, your mother figure to be giving you. Because as we saw from this, like, it doesn't go well. She can't just bury this down deep. And also, I feel like that's emotionally unhealthy in the first place, what did you guys think also, of that? Like, yeah, also, like, how is Dawson not going to find out? I mean, just, of course. like... <laughs> There's two people involved in this. Yeah, There's Jack exactly. and Joey. Yeah, you can't control... She can't control what Jack does. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, I'm split 50-50 with this because half of me totally agrees. Like, this is terrible advice. But also, like, on the other hand... Um, I feel as though she knows Dawson enough to be like, oh, he's a lunatic. And if he ever finds (laughs) out, he will trash his room and scream at you, Yeah, uh, which is what happens. But I think like maybe there's a little bit of that too going on of being like, just this is not as big of a deal as you think it is. It's like a high school kiss, whatever, you know, Uh, not as big as you're going to mount at a molehill, blah, 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 blah. Just do never let Dawson know or he'll rip your head off with his bare hands. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of was on Bessie's team. I was like, this is, like, not a big deal. 
Um, but yeah, it also kind of seemed like Bessie was just like maybe telling Joey what she wanted to hear because it was easier. But yeah, yeah, I I really am. It's hard. I mean, it it's hard for me to say because I feel like there is there is so much chemistry between Joey and Jack, and every scene that they have is like loaded with chemistry, and it's also been set up as this like foil to her relationship with Dawson this whole time. So I get really conf- I get really confused honestly when I'm thinking about their relationship because I'm like the show is trying to make us feel like they have chemistry. But Joey is definitely trying to undersell this and say that like nothing happened. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal. So like, which is it? Is it what, you know, we see happening or is it what we hear her say? And in the moment, you know, she's like, it was nothing, like nothing happened. But I just feel like there's more to it than well, that as like we Jack's, find out. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say like Jack said, you know. Right. She, yeah. Yeah. There's more to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the scene, we get uh, a little tease of one of my favorite songs of all time. Kiss Me by Sixpence. Six of Pence all Dance. time. Yes. Oh, yeah, man. Love that song so much. It's so iconic. Mm-hmm. Very iconic, yes. I was really sad they didn't, like, play more of it. I thought maybe we'd get more later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wish they played yeah. the entire song. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that was all the episode was, was yeah. just <laughs> that song. Uh, is this song in Parent Trap, Lindsay Lohan? It, it's, no, I don't think so. It's no. in um, She's All That. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, but it could, be, I mean, I'm sure it's in other ones. I'm not sure if it's in Parent Trap. As soon as I heard it, I was like, I wonder if they'll have a fun subplot of Dawson trying to get his parents back together and maybe forcing Joey to dress up like his long lost <laughs> twin. I don't know. I like, um, uh, you know, often I don't have anything good to say about Abby, but I do want to compliment her sweater in the in this <laughs> beginning in Act One here. She's got a cool Jinko sweater on. Jinko. <laughs> it's like uh, black, red, and yellow. Color really block. cool. Yeah, color blocky. Yes. Very hip. But she makes a called shot and says that Brett will be hers by Saturday. I think she might be a little bit psychic. She, this through line, and also like it plays into this, this like overarching theme of this episode of uh, characters are living like by the pleasure principle. Like they're living off their id in this episode. Like everyone is basically just doing what's easy instead of doing the right thing, which is hard. And no one is honest with themselves about like the things that they're challenged with except for Abby. Abby yeah. knows who she is. And I think we've talked about this before. Abby is the only character who's like has self-realized maybe a decade before she was even introduced to these characters. She knows exactly what she wants at all times and is not fucking beating around the bush about what her desires are. And like, it is very easy for her to be like, I'm going to fuck that himbo. I like <laughs> Yeah, that. she's like, I know what I want and I'm going to go get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta respect it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, we've kind of accepted that Abby and Jen's relationship is just this roller coaster that we cannot predict. But I was like, you know, it had been so long since we watched the episode before this that I was like, wait, are are they on good terms? Like, I know. had that fight? Yeah, in I the forgot full moon about episode, that. Jen like slapped had slapped. Her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it just is funny to watch. And then later in the episode, we see Abby. Like when she comes in to the dance, right? And mm-hmm. she like says some like rude comment to Jen about her about dress. dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this relationship? <laughs> very confusing. It's, it's very loosely serialized. Like I think they have mm. to hit the reset button a little bit with each episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think like what they want the audience to know is that they're frenemies, and mm-hmm. it's always mm-hmm. going to be that way. But something like a slap ain't ain't a big deal in this universe. Guess not. Yeah. 
one of my friends hit me. I would not be hanging out with them. <laughs> I could have called that a game changer. Yeah. Def- but, yeah, definitely more hitting and slapping than I thought it would be in Dawson's Creek in yeah. general so far. Physical violence is cool <laughs> in Cape Side. Um, also, just a funny observation in this scene. Um, I don't know if anyone noticed the background rocks in the, like, when they're walking to the school, they're, like, painted mm-hmm. blue. And oh. it, like, says homecoming. Uh, oh, that's, that's funny. Oh, homecoming. What a time to be alive when your school is mm-hmm. having homecoming. I never really got into it. It's interesting to see this interpretation of it. And I, I mean, it is such like an iconic high school thing that in my high school just didn't figure at all. But apparently in Cape Side, it's a big deal. You didn't have homecoming? or we did, you, but it, it was just, just wasn't like, like yeah. it, was, it was basically like a school assembly that hmm. everybody went to at lunch and then then the, the football game, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. But that's not interesting at all. So um, <laughs> I think it's interesting. It was huge. It was a huge deal in my school. But then again, I was someone that was like so on the outside and like didn't give a shit or pretended pretended to not give mm-hmm. a shit that I was like outside of it. But it was like it felt like Friday Night Lights. Like in yeah. my mind, like looking back, like people were losing their minds, just like shoving their fingers into their skulls and ripping their flesh off out of excitement mm-hmm. for this goddamn dance and a football game. Well, Weird. you went to a big school where football was like very big, which I Big school, big game. Big school, big, big school, game, which I think is, game. you know. I had the same experience Can't too. Lose. It was like a Hell big yeah. deal. Not that I, I didn't participate really, but big deal. Football. Strange. Yeah. Our high school sucked at all sports, um, but it was still a fun, fun time. And my school was so small that everyone went to every dance. Sure. So that was also just kind of like, cool, here we go, another dance. Be like a big hangout opportunity mm-hmm. basically yeah. with everybody. Yeah. Well, I have a question here. So Dawson seeing um, Christy and Brett fighting in the halls basically foreshadows the down his own downfall. Mm. And obviously it's very convenient that he does this in this episode, right? He's basically like, please tell me we're never going to have a big public blow up like this. And then and Joey's like, yeah, of course. Um, I have another reading, though. I think Dawson might be a precog <laughs> like in Minority Report. Yes. He is bald. He lays in water all day with two yeah. twins. That's true. It's yes. true. And he can see the future. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't quite know that it's his future. So I just think that, um, you know, he's our special boy. He is our special boy. <laughs> um, so this is the second time in the first act that we hear the mention of, like, how that how Joey and Dawson being in a romantic relationship has impacted their friendship and Mm -hmm. how they aren't communicating the same way that they normally would. Um, And it's the first time they're talking about sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have like, you know, I I had taken some notes about this and then I think it will tie in later to some other things that I noticed, but I did think that was interesting that they're both just like really aware of this shift. Yeah. And, um, how like you know they were best friends and now this 
new phase totally. of their relationship has mm-hmm. impacted them and like they don't know how to navigate it, which I think they were like kind of worried about before, but now it's like, okay, now we're actually seeing these, yes, these yeah. impacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just really found, I know like they're dating now and they're a couple, but I found it so scummy for some reason when Dawson's like really pushing this transition from friend to lover and like, well, there's one way for us to find out for sure. It, it I know they're like in high school and like, yeah, whatever, but it just felt like, that's like your kid's sister. You know, I still, I don't know. It's so weird. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I get, I just don't buy their chemistry and it makes yeah. it really hard for these conversations to happen. And that's either a big credit to the show and like what they're doing to load these emotions in or something else. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I thought an interesting moment in this scene was the insertion of Jen and Abby walking yeah. by and uh, you know, Abby says, wipe the drool, wipe the drool Dawson. Dawson. And then Joey suddenly expresses her concern for Jen in this moment where they're talking about like their relationship changing. I think this could possibly be a foreshadow where maybe later Joey mm-hmm. and Jenner will become closer oh, when Joey becomes single. Interesting. I saw it differently. I saw it as like they're having this kind of artificial conversation about their relationship that I think we can kind of see there's some tension there. There's some friction here. And then a new girl walks in who's also the old girl, but it's also the girl next door walks by. And I don't know. I just, I I didn't see it necessarily as foreshadowing for Joey and Jen, but I saw it as kind of foreshadowing for Dawson and Jen. Hmm. Because of what Abby said, wipe the drool. Well, more just because of this, like, there's an artificial conversation happening in my mind with the knowledge of what happens at the end of the episode. Maybe that's coloring my interpretation of that mm. scene, but I'm mm-hmm. like, they're talking about something that's not going to happen. They're not transitioning to lovers. And like Stella was just talking about, they've now talked about it multiple times, how they're struggling with this transition and they're kind of pretending in a way. And then mm-hmm. there's his old girlfriend or there's another girl that he was romantically interested in entering the scene. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess I'm specifically referring to Joey's totally. reaction and what she said. It could be both. I mean, it could be both things too. Yeah, not mutually you know? exclusive. Yeah, I think exactly. both are true at the exactly. same time. Mm-hmm. And it would just be great to see Joey and Jen become friends and like not enemies. Like yeah. whenever they try to play up the enemy shit, it just like, it falls really flat for me. Um, yeah. And it would, I think they'd be much more successful characters if they weren't just like constantly butting heads and maybe teaming up against Dawson, their, their common totally. enemy. I don't know. It's funny because Jen is kind of now in the position that Pacey was in last season where Pacey was always on the outside and just kind of having like these weird isolated mm. subplots mm-hmm. where he would kind of cross paths, but not really. He just existed in his own world. Now Jen is in that situation where like, unless she's got something going on with Abby, she doesn't exist in Cape Side unless it is to like interface with the Dawson and Joey love triangle. But yeah. she isn't like interacting with the group all that much anymore. She isn't. No. She doesn't have her own subplot now that Grandpa's dead. Like Grandma's just being Grandma, you know. Like we're not getting anything of Jen now. She's yeah. not, and she's not actually. You know, we talk about the core four, which is usually Dawson, Joey, Pacey, and Jen. Well, it's kind of like the core three plus Jen and Abby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to talk about the the separation divorce conversation a little bit because sure, yeah. Uh, Another thing, like earlier I was talking about doing what's easy versus doing what's right. And we've talked numerous episodes about Mitch and Gail and their very bizarre relationship right now where it seems like they're not necessarily interested in separating, but 
they're going through the motions of it because they're too afraid to actually yeah. confront what's going on in their relationship and talk about it together. Um, it's much easier for them just to go through the motions, right? And I thought it was really fascinating that they do this speech to Dawson. They tell him uh, in a very public setting outside on a porch where anyone could walk by. I mean, yeah, I know that they're like kind of closed off from their neighbors just by yardage, but at the same time, this is this is normally a conversation you would say for inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this feels very visible in the harsh light of day. And it seems like they're almost trying to prove it to themselves and to Dawson like, nope, this is the right decision uh, because it's what we think is what we're supposed to do and we're going to prove it by doing it in this like open forum of being outside. And I felt like that was an interesting parallel a little bit to what we're going to see later with Pacey and Christy um, where they have their moment and it's in harsh lighting instead of in in the dance, it's in the hallways. But it's just like, I think it's really interesting that we just keep seeing these characters over and over again being like, I'm going to choose... I mean, not that separation or divorce is easy, but it seems as though it's much easier for them to deal with that rather than just saying we should go to fucking couples therapy right. or we should actually communicate about what our issues are. And isn't it interesting that that's kind of like what Dawson is trying to tell them? He's actually the voice of reason in that conversation. As annoying and angsty as he is in his delivery, he is like, well, so if I were to suggest you going to therapy or you're going to couples therapy, that wouldn't mean anything. Or if I were to suggest like trying harder, it wouldn't mean anything. And they're like, shut the fuck up, kid. You don't fucking know. We've decided. Um, but yeah, I also thought it was really interesting to do outside on the the sunroom. And it kind of made me think of like in high school when like – you know, your, your boyfriend or your friend's boyfriend or girlfriend would be like, Hey, let's go have lunch. And you're always like, Oh God, what does that mean? Am I going to get broken up with? Because it's like easier in public. Like they're not going to make a big scene at a restaurant, mm-hmm. right? It feels manipulative. And it kind of what you're saying about like doing it in the harsh light of doing day, doing it away from somewhere where they can actually be private made it totally made that connection happen to me. It feels like kind of manipulative to yes. be like, well, we're going to control your response by placing it yep. here. In a, in, a, in an area where you can't explode, even though he does. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like they cornered him. Like he's not going to get by into the house without seeing them. No. So, you know, he has to stop and what's going on. Yeah. I also, th- on the other hand, I thought it could have been like, they wanted to give him a chance to kind of like escape if he like ha- had that reaction where he didn't want to talk about it or something mm. and he, they're outside. So look at you know. giving them, giving them some credit. I think you guys are right, but, but there's, you know, <laughs> No, I appreciate it. Devil's advocate is my shit. Please. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm, you know, we see throughout this episode, Dawson's world kind of collapse. So, and at the end he like kind of explodes. Um, So I'm very curious as like how this will impact him long-term as Mm -hmm. a character and his development. Yeah. Are we going to see a return to season one Dawson where uh, Billy comes in and he's like, Hey, let me take you to a strip club and I can get you laid from a, I'll get you a, a lap dance or something. You know what I mean? Like, is, is there going to be a bad boy Dawson arc again? And Pacey's going to save the day because he's like, well, you need to find somebody like Andy. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of Pacey and Andy, I do want to talk about them before we move on. Sure. Um, which was a scene right before this. So, um, the follow, I, I liked the follow up conversation with, Pacey asking about Andy's mom because they could have just glossed over that and like forgotten about it. But they actually had a moment where he was kind of like, how's it going? Totally. And also like that he he asked her if he could pick her up at the house or where, you know, so I thought that was nice that they like the writers didn't brush it under the rug, which 
can happen sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it it shows his emotional maturity, and it, I think it shows that he is serious despite his later actions, right? Because like like you're saying, it would be really easy one for this show just to be like. <laughs> let's, you know, like we don't talk about everything that happens. Let's just kind of like, that was a moment, but to bring it back, they're doing it intentionally to show that Mm -hmm. he is emotionally invested. He cares about her family and that he has a memory of these things. He's not afraid of uncomfortable things like asking about your mother who is not well, you know, I thought it was great. Yeah. Also question. Why is Pacey so adamantly against Jack and Jen going to the dance? That was in this as well. Um, where he's like, am I invisible? I didn't get it. Does yeah. what? Did Why you guys is he have a so against it? I, for me, my reading was this is metatextual, and he's the surrogate audience for us. Of like, okay. because I mean, like the, this show, I feel like they're like they're breaking the fourth wall as much as they possibly can without a character communicating directly at the camera, mm. and it felt like. Almost like it almost felt like Pacey was looking at the camera, being like, Can you believe this guy's totally like oh, that, That's a good read, yeah. That, but I mean, you're right, like it makes no sense like why how, he would just like flip out, yeah, very quickly over it, yeah, uh, yeah. Because it's not like he's been in that situation where he's been blindly set up with somebody that's, I mean, that we've seen, right? If he has, then that's like some exposition that they needed to tell us for that scene to land, yeah. Because otherwise, also, yeah, it is just like audience surrogacy, surrogacy. surrogacy which that was a big word, everybody. Can I get a round of applause? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which doesn't quite land. Also, it would make sense if he like had a thing for Jen, just like Joey sure, has yeah. a thing for Jack, and that's that's why she reacts that way. But he, you know, yeah, I was just like, yeah, why? <laughs> it is very odd, and it struck me as odd in the moment. And I still, I mean, I think that's the only explanation. It, it was an inch away of him being like, "Come on, you you're watching the sh- same show I'm right." Yeah, right? you know, that makes sense. I mean, he has yeah. been somewhat pseudo protective of Jen in the past. Remember their like moment on the pier after he had his horrible day, where nobody remembered his birthday, and the only person yeah. there was Jen. So like you, I could see it as like, oh, come on. Like she's our friend. We don't want to set her up with some guy we don't even fucking know, but that's your new girlfriend's brother. So it's not like some rando dude. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, Jack, mm-hmm. he's also Joey's, he works at the ice house. Like it's not, I don't know. It's, yeah. it felt odd. Didn't yeah. But I think it felt con- like thematic, like thematically yes. appropriate. Yes. Yeah. But someone that, has to say that, exactly. you know, and it, it might as well be PC. So, cause yeah. I wonder if in the nineties, when people were watching this show, if they were like screaming at their, if the writers were worried that the audience is going to be screaming at their TV, like, don't do it. So they're like, yeah, Pacey. Mm-hmm. Also, I guess he, he would be the neutral one in that situation yeah. too. So like, yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> Julio. Alrighty. We're going to take a, a little break. We'll see you in a sec. Bye. Bye. Later that evening, Mitch tosses his belongings into the family SUV and splits, not before telling Gail that they can still communicate amicably. Dawson watches from his bedroom as his mom sobs alone in the driveway. When he comes downstairs, Gail keeps herself turned away from him and tells him to go to the dance, unwilling to admit her despair to her baby boy. At the boardwalk... (laughs) Andy and Jack wait for Pacey to pick them up. In the interim, she tries to get Jack excited about the dance, saying he might meet his dream woman. 
While he says he might already have, Pacey rolls up in his daddy's police car. <laughs> whoop, whoop. That's the sound of the police. To the dance, <laughs> they go. The whole crew meets up at Capeside High for the school get-down, with noticeable awkward glances from Jack and Joey. Inside, all but Pacey tear up the dance floor, and he pleads with him to cut a rug, but he declines outright under no circumstances shall that ever happen. Jen and Jack get to know one another under awkward pretenses, and when Dawson comments on their possible chemistry, Joey gets agitated. But... Uh-oh, a partner swap puts Joey and Jack together. When Jack tries to talk about the smooch while Dawson watches from afar, Joey angrily storms out of the gym. Jack follows and accuses her of being angry for allowing herself to kiss him back. To everyone's horror, Dawson is standing right behind during this revelation. Both Jack and Joey run away, leaving Dawson emotionally destitute in the lonesome of Capeside High's halls. Wow. Hit a little ditty. About Jack and Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think about that one for a little while. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I um, I love this act. This act is so good. It's so action-packed. There's so much going on. But my first thought is, man, it's so weird to see, like, or I guess it's so weird to be in school, not in a school context. So like seeing them all dressed up yes. mm-hmm. to the nines for a school dance, and they're walking through the halls and it's got like the dare posters and shit. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> that brought me back to being a kid, you know, and you'd have those school functions where you'd like be in your street clothes or whatever. Oh, so weird. So fun though. Yeah. I mm-hmm. miss those feel those, those moments. You don't get those as an adult really. I like no. a good contextual yeah. switch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Cause like you go to the office on the weekend, mm. <laughs> there's something wrong with you. I don't know. Like, it's not fun. Totally, yeah. Um, one of my observations is that Jack seems very cold throughout this episode. Um, very angsty, unlike yeah, himself. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, we can attribute some of that because he's anxious about Joey, but it just seemed a little weird just like anytime Jen is like being playful with him about like all right Andy's brother yeah. Jack yeah. just like it's just Jack um just like very cold no sense of humor throughout the episode I think the magical mystery hobo has gotten to him and he's like <laughs> become a very deep introspective person he's like yeah. constantly thinking about poetry and art now and he's just like I don't have time for humor <laughs> okay I have deep feelings and I've and, met oh, the girl of my dreams, yeah, okay? So yeah. He's met the girl of his dreams, like, I don't know. Uh, seems a little far-fetched, but... To play devil's advocate... Let's hear it, let's hear it. Uh, I think it's we can sum it up pretty easily as him being in love with Joey and she's with Dunst Dawson and yeah. it's, it's ruining his life. He's like, this person could be with me, but she's choosing the easy way of dating her best friend instead of being with me and we would be peanut butter and jelly together. Isn't he also choosing the easy way of dating his coworker though? It's mm. not like he found her in mm-hmm. some yeah, far flung place. It's like literally a matter of convenience for him too. Mm-hmm. Devil's advocate to Jack. <laughs> but I do like you quite when, a bit. <laughs> uh, when he did answer just plain Jack, it made me wish that someone would edit together all of his scenes where he's just on his lonesome and then add a laugh track to it. Oh my God. And it could be like a sitcom, <laughs> just playing Jack. I also thought though, Jen was super awkward. Cause like she kept do, put, doing that, like brother Jack, doing, yeah. you know, it was kind of like, I could see 
play devil's advocate <laughs> him being like i'm not the brother yeah. like mm-hmm. i'm me you know I'm like me. he maybe he's tired of being like the sibling of andy or i do wish know. they would do a mega cut of like i'm just jack and then like freeze frame just jack branding <laughs> over <laughs> and then like roll credits on a new show that's just jack <laughs> New theme song too. Just playing Jack. (laughs) Just playing Jack. (laughs) So cut to when they like get to the dance. (laughs) When Pacey and Dawson arrive, they shake hands. I know. I saw that. I was like, what is that about? (laughs) It made me laugh really hard. How do you do? Yeah. (laughs) How do you do fellow dancer? (laughs) Loved Pacey's outfit. Yes, I, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I thought. I mean, I thought he was the best dressed. Yeah. out of all of them. Mm. So like Pacey's outfit. Oh, you missed Abby. The, the Abby, I thought looked fire. The vampire collar. Yep. That Pacey's Ooh. wearing. Mm. I want to suck your blood. It's very vampire esque. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yes, so I have a thought that about that later that I will share. But yeah, I. I agree. He def- he definitely yeah. looked the of all of the like male looks, his is the only one that I think I would still rock because mm-hmm. yeah. it had like style and and yeah. his personality was there. Unlike Dawson, who looked like he was going to sell Bibles. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I want to talk more about the outfits now that we're talking about them. Okay, Joey's dress. She's wearing a coral with dark red velvet trim, which to me comes off as like daring and independent Ooh. compared to what the other like what Andy. And Jen are wearing. So Jen's kind of in mourning. Yes. Perhaps she's wearing a black dress. Um, the same, isn't it the same dress that they got together? Her and Andy got, or sorry, her and Abby got when they went shopping oh, previously. Damn. Sorry. I don't know. Anyway, didn't mean to detract. That's okay. Um, it's a good, I don't know. Cause, cause Andy did mention her. Abby. Having, or an, yeah, Ambie, she, she, Abby. 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 Is that a King Wizard and a Lizard Wizard reference to Ambrose? Um, she did mention having that dress later. She yeah. does mention that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, and then Andy's dress is purple, more romantic and soft. Yes. And her, that's kind of like her story here is she's looking for that, like yeah. that romance. Um, Dawson and Jack, both in baggy suits with kind of similar pattern ties, just Definitely. like 90s. Diamond. Diamond. Point. Yeah. So I have a thought on those ties. So Dawson has a diamond print tie on. It is, I want to say orange. It's like a orange brown kind of shimmery diamond print where the diamonds are like freestanding. They're open. It's an open diamond print. Now Jack has a green tie um, that is a closed diamond print. The diamonds are like within this like checkered board pattern. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing as we've kind of talked about multiple times. The costuming feels very intentional most of the time in this show. And I think this is an intentional thing because they're both wearing effectively the same pattern, but Dawson's is open. He's unrestricted and Jack's is closed in, boxed in, like he's being yeah. placed in a mm. box. I just kind of like, I feel like there's something to it. I'm not, I don't yes. think I have the answer there, but I feel like there is, there is a, there is some kind of symbology. There's some kind of message there though. I think it's a li- I mean, I guess Jack is being put in a box, right? He's being put in the friend. I can't, you're like forbidden yeah. fruit box, but and I, he's closed off and, and he is yeah. very closed off. Yeah. Yeah. If we only yeah. think of it in the, in the context of their love for Joey, Dawson mm-hmm. can be open about his love for Joey totally. and, and Jack cannot. So, yep. And totally. Yeah. One final thing, the, um, Jack's tie ha- features, like I said, it's like a green or maybe it's a blue tie, but it has orange tr- diamonds in it, which is the same color as Dawson's tie, mm. which has a, has like a purplish diamond mm-hmm. in it. So they're almost like two 
sides of the same yes. palette yeah. and yeah. the same pattern. And I think Jack's suit is lighter maybe than Dawson's, but they both have like baggy suits. I, th- I yes. definitely think they were mirroring them. They could be interchangeable. Yeah. Yes. Because pa- whereas Pacey's very, like the other, you know, suit in the group is like very different, very distinct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Very interesting. Costuming is yeah. always on point, I feel yeah. like, in this show. Uh, Andy has a quote later, like during like the dance sequence where she's talking about Pacey and his refusal to dance. And mm-hmm. she says, not verbatim, but she says something along the lines of, I don't believe you. I think you're using this as a power move to keep control of this relationship. And I want to know what your thoughts are are mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. Is she on point to say this? Because if I'm thinking about it, it's like, well, Pacey's never had control in a relationship. The only relationship he had was with an abuser who was older than him and manipulating him. So now is this like his way mm-hmm. of react? This is the only way he knows how to be, uh, I guess, the power, like a power structure has to be imbalanced and he now wants to have that kind of control. Is that a reading. I mean, it's very manipulative, but he doesn't know any better. I mean, he's just a kid. Right. Um, yeah. Is that the read or is it something else? I mean, I don't, I didn't initially get that because I, I don't think of Pacey as manipulative. Um, knowing what he says later, I do think it could have something to do with like him liking her more than mm-hmm. a fantasy, whereas like Christy is the fantasy. Yeah. And so him like being afraid to be judged. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't necessarily see that read, but I do think that there is a certain amount of power that he holds in denying that dance, in kind of like denying their relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if he were to if they were to dance, then obviously they have to start taking things seriously. And maybe he's not quite ready, despite what he wants, because he's having having these feelings about Christy. However, I do feel like I need to say as somebody who refuses to dance at dances, it's not always a power move. I actually just Are you sure? <laughs> I don't like dancing. I don't I'm a I think I'm afraid of judgment much the same way that Pacey is afraid of judgment here. So it, what I'm saying is it's not a power move, it's more of like a move of self-preservation. Yeah. He is as despite him being so like accepting of his black sheep role, I think he really is afraid of being negatively judged mm-hmm. by everybody and this is a sim- symptom of that. And I think if he were honest with himself, he would like to dance just like I yeah. like to dance when I'm like not thinking about the judgment or anything else. Yeah. It's fun. But in the moment, it's so scary. The thought of it is so scary that you can't get past it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was initially su- surprised that Pacey's character doesn't like to dance. But then when I thought about it, it's like, okay, well, he comes from this family who judges him for everything. Yeah. He's not accepted so in any way. It does kind of make sense that, you know. Self-preservation. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if I were to blanket, like, assign roles, I would have said Dawson is going to be the stick in the mud who doesn't yeah. want to yeah. dance. He's just going to sit on the sideline and judge. And Pacey's yeah. going to be out there making a fool of himself, like, ripping his pants because he's doing the splits, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. he's a clown. Well, because he was in that show, too, where he was, like, you know, right. the, the pageant show. So that's right, yeah, right, I was exactly. like, he doesn't dance. <laughs> Only within the context of this, because we do later see him dance with Christy and and Andy sees this. And I'm thinking, so is a lot of this like dancing is an intimate thing and Mm -hmm. he puts so much more pressure on dancing with Andy because there's a real relationship there versus Christy, who's this dream fantasy, whatever. Um, Yeah. That's it. Like that has to be it. I don't really think he's manipulative. Yeah, Yeah. But it's like. It's there's, there, it's not. Yeah. And there's also yeah. like the fear of judgment. He's dancing with Christy in the hallway where nobody is around, nobody can see. It's mm-hmm. yeah. effectively just between the two of them. One cute thing I noticed between Pacey and Andy while we're talking about them is they are calling each other by their last names. 
Oh yeah. And they yeah. both do it in this episode. So she calls him Witter and she or he calls her McPhee. Cute. <laughs> I thought that was cute. They have such good chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Their chemistry is off the charts. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> I love that Andy is the inadvertent villain of this episode. And I am curious what you all's thought on this is. So we know what later happens between Dawson and Joey, which we'll talk about. I don't need to get into that. I'll save that for this. But I wanted to trace the kind of like what caused that to happen. And what caused it to happen is Andy is trying to make Pacey jealous because Pacey doesn't want to dance with her. And she says, well, fine, if you don't want to dance with me, I'm going to find somebody else who will. She's admitting she wants to make Pacey jealous. What better way to make Pacey jealous than to go dance with his best friend, which is what she does. She gets Jack, she takes Jack, gives her to Joey, and she dances with Dawson. Mm -hmm. That is what then creates the moment between Jack and Joey, which then she leaves, they they blow up in the hallway, Dawson overhears that, and it creates the whole downfall for Dawson and kind of blows up everybody's night, realistically. And it's all... From Andy. <laughs> totally. She had, she didn't yeah. mean for any of that to yeah. happen. She didn't think any of that would happen. She couldn't have even conceived that that would happen. But that's what happened from her. She is the villain of this episode. And then in turn, she's the one that becomes jealous by Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And isn't it interesting? I just thought that was so funny because as I'm watching that, I'm like, why would, jo- why would Andy go and dance with Dawson? Like, what the fuck is happening here? What's her motivation? I was like, does she have weird feelings for him or something? It's that. Yeah, she, I think it's that. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, yeah. She plays it off as I don't want to dance with my brother anymore. But really, but she I hasn't think been it's, dancing. With no, him yeah, that. she's been doing her own thing. So yeah, it's interesting. Fun. One thing that I thought was interesting is that you know we see a lot of themes of mistrust, deceit, and infidelity throughout yeah. the episode, um, and how that impacts all the characters. And I feel like, I mean, Dawson's heavily impacted. Everyone is impacted except for Jen essentially. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know, know what to make of that, but I just like, yeah, you know, it's like kind of this web of everyone impacting each other. And then Jen's just, yeah, kind of on the outside, like we talked about before, which is yeah. too bad because she in season one talked about being like betrayed and cheated on and mm-hmm. kind of abused from previous people. So it's kind of like, this would be a good opportunity for her to have, a role in this friend group, but like we kind of pointed out earlier, she's just off to the side. She's, she's just not herself. Like no. I do not see the same Jen that that like we saw in earlier. You know, yeah. Gramps' girl is gone. <laughs> yeah, she's not. It's like she's not there. It's a waste of a good character. Yeah, yeah. it's sad. Yeah, I just uh, the only thing I think of this episode for her is just awkward. She, everything was awkward. Very. <laughs> All of her interactions. <laughs> Uh, just real quick, I, I really liked the cinematography during that sequence when uh, Joey and Jack are dancing. Uh, you have them yeah. uh, in the foreground, in the background, you have Dawson and Andy, and Dawson, while he's like turning with Andy, is constantly staring at yes. them, and they're placing him like very much, he's a small little man in the image between them, and he's the one that's keeping them from being together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this is like, I mean, we don't know what happens in this show, we're all first-time watchers, but is this going to be an overarching thing, you know, Dawson is the reason that uh, Jack and Joey can't be together and it'll always be this way um, because he's such a little shit and always has to have his way. I don't know. But again, great visual storytelling. Yes. And and on the note of visual storytelling for the dance, Ah. wanted to mention. So does any, any, anyone here remember the gap commercial in the nineties with the swing dancing? 
I do. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. This yes. was, you don't remember? I I'll don't have to show so. you still. Okay. okay. Um, the intro scene into the dance where we've got the camera kind of scanning the, the room shot. and we, yeah, the yeah. boom shot with like the dan- people dancing, they totally <laughs> took this from the gap commercial. Cause it's like <laughs> a bunch of like fake dramatized swing dancing and ba- which basically is just like aerials without the actual like dancing. And so they're like p- doing the picking people yeah, up yeah. and legs in the air. And like, there's a lot of like picking people yes. up. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. For those that don't know, Mal is a very talented <laughs> swing dancer of her own right. So she, I believe has some authority in this. Mm. And I, I definitely agree. Go back and watch that. Go first and watch the gap commercial yeah. and then go yeah. and just watch that, that introduction to the dance scene shot. And I bet you will see several things that are clearly an homage, I think. Oh yeah. And I think, because uh, the late 90s, remember there was like, uh, uh, oh my God, what is that movie with Vince Vaughn? You're so money. Um, oh, um, oh shit. Fuck, what is that movie? Um, yeah, You're So oh. Money. Uh, and uh, John... Um, Domo? John Louis <laughs> No, no. Uh, John Favreau. Yeah, it's the Vegas... Don't yeah, they Vegas. go to Vegas. Um, uh, swingers. Swingers, yes. God but damn it. Was it. Like, during that moment, big band swing yeah. music oh. exploded. The swing revival Well, swing kids, everyone. If you swing, haven't seen yes. Swing Kids. Is that another like oh, 90s? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So yes. the, it, like, yeah, it was yeah. like the uh, Cherry Poppin' Daddies, the yep. worst yeah. band of all time. Um, the Stray Cats. So Christian Bale is in Swing Kids, by the Ooh, way. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like yeah. that explosion, like Gap, I I, I see that being yeah. there too. Yeah. But like- it was There there was a 90s ga- uh, Swing Gap. There was a 90s swing Gap revival. No, there was a huge Swing Dance revival in the 90s. Yeah, it's so true. What it started a, it? Was it Swingers? I don't know. Was That's a, a very Bale? good question. It, I don't know if Swing Kids started it or if Swing Kids was a product of it. I I should look. I should know. You should know. I should know. Yeah, I'm disappointed. But there in was you. definitely a, a revival that, like, if you, if you talk to people in the swing community that like actually did were dancing in, back in the '90s and then they still yeah. do now as like older, you know, as they're older. But yeah. yeah. Also, just really quick, want to talk shit about this DJ. Horrible transition. Yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's slow yeah. songs. It's like before it even fades out, he's just like, all right, let's put in a rocker now. Like, come on, ease yeah. into it, bud. He, it's his first gig. You got to give him <laughs> a little bit of slack. Drunk DJ. I thought they were just kind of editing it that way. No. no. At one point you this see him with real. the two turntables oh, okay, and he like, okay. he yeah. fades it. And it's like this, like, but man, wasn't it cool to see a DJ who's actually using vinyl? Instead yes. of yeah, just like an cool. e-deck or something like mm-hmm. that. I thought that was a, I mean, nowadays that's all it would be is a laptop on a stand and maybe a, a mixer. But I thought it was like, oh man, yes, it is the 90s yeah. because they yeah. don't have other technology. Uh, I have one last funny observation. Um, in the last scene before we cut to break, um, when Jack and Joey are having their moment in the hall and Dawson is just magically appears. Mm-hmm. Like, how did no <laughs> one? His yes, angry boy face. It, yeah, oh, he looks like Rip Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> the whole episode, he keeps having this like, yeah, angry boy face. But I thought that was so interesting. I actually, the first time I was like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't even think about it. I was like, that's such a perfect reveal. It's like a horror movie. Yeah, yeah totally. Fuck, it's yeah. terrifying. Um, but then upon, as I watched it more, I was like, wait, how does this work? Because Joey's literally looking at the yes, doorway yeah. from the dance because Jack is standing basically just to the side of that. And she somehow doesn't see Dawson come out from the door behind him and stand to his side because mm-hmm. he's not right behind. I mean, from the camera it is, but the camera's at an angle over Joey's shoulder. So it's like, what? Yeah. 
similar to it's similar to how you kept popping up between them in the dance, like mm. during the dance too. What it's just if like, he can dematerialize and materialize yeah. at will because, like yeah. we just said, he is our special boy. I, I was, don't know. It's an Ethan Hunt summer. Mission Impossible Seven just came out, and maybe he came uh, down from the top, wasn't making a heap of sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Or he had a surgical, like a you know, like face off. He had a mask on. Well, that's, yes. He had another man's face sewn to his face. Yes. So he's standing behind him, and then when he gets that information, that juicy information, he rips off the mask, mm-hmm. Scooby Doo mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Dawson. Then Jack turns around and sees him. So we just didn't see the mask reveal, but that there's probably like an hour and a half deleted scene of him going through this entire process. Yes, and they're just like, "We got to cut it for time." He goes into pa- he goes into a closet with Pacey. Yeah. He's like, he's got a whiteboard, a chalkboard. Sorry, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm going to need to repel through the ceiling. <laughs> it's going to be an impossible mission, but we're going to go for it." <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Wait, is that Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> anyway. Close enough. We're going to go play some Metal Gear Solid and watch uh, Mission Impossible on our break. Back inside the gym, Jen and Jack tell Andy they're going to dip, but uh-oh, Dawson confronts Jack before he can run away. When Jack doubles down on his smooch choice with Joey, Dawson hits him with a meaty right hook and dips. Meanwhile, in the school's hallways, Pacey finds his dream girl, Christy, alone and visibly upset. He tries to give her a self-esteem boost by saying how everyone in Capeside thinks she's a certifiable babe. To that, Christy lures Pacey in with an invitation to dance right then and there, and he unfortunately accepts. (laughs) Moments later, Jen and Jack officially call it a night and say their final goodbyes to Andy. When she turns around, she sees Pacey dancing with Christy and runs away. A perfect evening shattered. Outside, Joey confronts a steamed Dawson about the smooch, and he's having none of it. Our titular hero is enraged. Joey tries to explain herself, but tells Dawson he's a total bozo for not understanding the context of the situation, that it's not just about the relationship, it's just about her. Elsewhere, Mitch gives Gail a ring from his grimy hotel room to check in and catch up. Even though Gail admits to struggling with the separation, Mitch digs in his heels on the decision. I think that I have some thoughts on this. You think section. that you have some thoughts? I think I do. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> Jack is a werewolf. Evidence. Ooh. He says his reason for kissing Joey is the moon was full. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went into yes. a transformation, becoming a very sexually charged being and yes. had to kiss his boss. Yes. I think he's a werewolf. I think it's irrefutable. And there was that yeah. sequence where he slowly morphed into a wolf. Yeah. Well, and the special effects was insane. I think that's actually <laughs> just metaphor, but you're right. Mm. Uh, we've skirted a little bit on this about the roles of Andy and Jack. And then also talking about how Jen doesn't really feel like a part of the group, but Andy, this entire episode feels extremely lonely and desperate. Yeah. Andy? Like she, or yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Cause she's, uh, making sure. desperate for people to be at this dance and mm-hmm. hang out with her. And at the beginning of the episode, it really felt like she is a part of the gang. Cause she's there for movie night and watching footloose. Right. So, but then yeah. here it seems like she's the only person that's like really, really trying to get everyone to be together. Um, is she a part of the group or not? Mm. I don't mm-hmm. really know. Hmm. I think she, I mean, she kind of mentions that like, she just wants like a night off of like normalcy. Um, And so I think, you know, she's like starting to fit in with this group 
And maybe she thinks this is like a way to really like solidify their, their friendship. And she was tr- kind of says later, she was trying to make her fantasy happen for yeah. the evening. Right. So it, it kind of explains her like manipulations of like putting people in places and setting people here and there so that her night mm. goes how she's imagining it will, you know, or exactly. how she wants it to go. I think it's, she has expectations for what this night is supposed to be mm-hmm. and everybody else has their own expectations of what this night is going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, everybody's built up their night, built up this night in their own way. And they're all kind of colliding with each other in this moment, which is kind of like, like pinball, they're bouncing around and going in yep. different directions. And then there's just Andy there in the middle, like trying to chase each person, like, wait, wait, but the night almost is supposed like, to be, we're all having fun together. Yeah. It's you almost know? like she's a puppeteer kind yeah. of like she's. But yeah. to that question, is she in the group? This is a, you know, it's like a very interesting thing because nobody is considering Andy. Even Pacey isn't considering Andy. Jack isn't considering Andy. Her own brother, yeah. Yeah, nobody is really considering Andy. So it's not a group activity despite it becoming, being billed initially as, hey, let's all go to the dance. Like we have to go and do this. Right. Yeah. And then even when Jen is like calling Jack, you know, brother Jack, like, like, is she saying that because like, oh, like we're all friends with Andy, but we're not friends with you. So it's like, but like how... How deep is your relationship with Andy for you to even make this joke in the first place? And it's, yeah, it's almost like Jack isn't in the group either because they keep pointing out that he's Mm -hmm. just brother Jack and, you know. Definitely making them out. Just playing Jack. Just, yeah. But yeah, this was like the first time we saw Jack with everyone, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it was the first group, like full group activity. Since since we're talking about Andy and Jack right now, I do want to, I did a little bit of research because... I don't know if anyone else has thought about this, but like Andy and Jack seem like they're in the same grade, right? And we've kind of, I don't know if we've touched yeah. on like, are they twins? If anyone's had that mm-hmm. thought. Um, so I looked it up cause I was curious and um, this is from Wikipedia. So who knows, who knows, but this is what it says. Andy and Jack are not twins in the newsletter section of the official Dawson's Creek website. A member of the writing team addressed the issue that Dawson's Creek website doesn't exist anymore. I couldn't find wow. it. That's sad. So Come on, um, it says Jack quote, Jack and Andy are not twins. Jack is age 17 and Andy is age 16. However, so Jack's older. However, they're in the same grade because they started school at the same time. Okay. Both are now juniors in high school. This was stated at the beginning of season three, which we haven't gotten to yet. Oops. Okay. Um, well, Jack, I love that that's stated. Yeah, I know. Jack, therefore, is officially older. Um, so it says the Jack and Andy. Another thing says the Jack and Andy question is always asked but never solved. Here's the deal: when the writers first created Jack, they wanted him to be a year older or younger than Andy. They were leaning toward older, but they weren't positive which which way they wanted to go. But then Paul Stupin was going doing an interview, so he asked, "Is Jack older or younger?" And the writers said, "Older." But then we realized mm-hmm. we liked Jack and we decided that even though he was a little older than Andy, wow. that he they would be in the same grade. So the answer is Jack and Andy are in the same grade, but Jack is older than Andy. Right in convenience. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. And it says, of course, it's our ongoing joke in the writer's room. Look in upcoming episode 404 for a joke regarding this very subject. Yeah, wait. So, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> in yeah. three years when we get there, that I know, be, right? It's, it's down the line, but it is something that I kept thinking about this episode because there's a lot, a lot of Jack and Andy and... You yeah, know, we that's still, funny like, because don't know what grade. You know, I was. Thanks yeah. for doing that research. I feel like yeah. it's like a minefield to research yeah. anything in the show. <laughs> I'm glad you found that out. I really would have thought Jack was younger than Andy. I don't get older brother mm-hmm. vibes no. at all. Mm-hmm. But they're so close. I feel like one year apart is very like. Yeah, it's kind of trivial. When you're yeah, when you're that age, it's very that's very close. 
Yeah, but it's also I'm older than you. You know, yeah. it's also like ripe ground for the most venomous right. of. Well, I'm older than you. You have to do every mm-hmm. chore or whatever. Um, I'm extremely curious what audiences' reactions were in '98 to Dawson and Joey's fight with Dawson not understanding that he's the bad guy in the situation of like exploding at Joey. Because now in our modern context, a very similar plot line happened on uh, the CW show Superman and Lois <laughs> with a couple teenage lovebirds. And like, it's the exact same situation on that show. But on the Reddit episode threads after it, everyone was like, like trashing how they're portraying the boy who was being an asshole. It's yeah. the exact same thing. And everyone's like, like, he's not an asshole. He has every right to be angry because she cheated on him. And it's like, the exact same thing. It's like, no, he is being an asshole for like acting like this. Right. But this is now. So I'm wondering yeah. in 98 where people mm-hmm. like, we need to crucify Joey. <laughs> like that bitch. I know. I'm yeah. so I She's the cheater. Mm. I just hope people were on her side when they were watching this. Me too. So, yeah. Listeners, if you watched during this time, yeah. tell us how you felt, what you thought. Let us know your Joey. initial thoughts. You <laughs> and know? if it's changed over time. Yeah. And if it's yeah. changed over time as you've aged with the show. Because I don't think they do a particularly good job of really selling Joey's side of the situation. You know, it, it really isn't even until the very end of the argument where she's like, no, you're not getting it. It's mm-hmm. not about you. It's about me. And it's like she's been saying that for like four fucking episodes at this point. Especially when she said she was a woman in the moon. Yeah. I mean, about her. Yes. This, <laughs> this groundwork has been being laid for a long time. But even with that groundwork, it still feels like, oh, right, there's that going on. You know, it's not necessarily just about this. I think. Sorry, did no, I cut ahead. you off? No. Okay. I have a very important thing to discuss here. Mitch moves out of the house. And he, like we talked about in the last act, he was dressed like he was going to beat poetry night. <laughs> Did I say last class? Last, last act. Class. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's going to beat poetry night at the cafe and then he decides to check into his motel and apparently his motel is in Twin Peaks. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it's like there's red neon, mm. a green neon light. It's like, it looks like it could be one-eyed Jack's, like a motel so down seedy. the street from it. Totally. Yeah, so seedy. And he can't help but call home and talk with Gail and they have their little talk. And in that moment, they both kind of like make a realization. Like, I don't know. I, my reading is they make a realization like they shouldn't be talking. Is that what you guys kind of thought? Like, how did, how did that scene play out for you guys? I, I didn't get that. I thought it was like a really sweet, genuine moment of them, like really supporting each other. Mm. Um, and just being, like the first time I think we really see them being like genuine and honest with one another yeah. of like how to support each other. And just having like a small moment. It doesn't need to be a big moment. It's kind of refreshing mm-hmm. to see them interacting in that way. For sure. They just have a phone call, just a little yeah. throwaway phone call to check in and like they're both not okay, but they're both yeah. okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I actually wanted to bring this up because um, I thought it was like kind of an interesting mirror of so we see like joey and dawson's romantic relationship um has impacted their friendship and overall communication um and you know that you know dissipates or not dissipate what's the word i'm looking for um we see the like consequences throughout down yeah i don't know yeah trickle down Um, economics yeah (laughs) um and so this moment where we have mitch and gail talking i thought was like one of the most honest moments of their relationship throughout this show. Mm. Um, 
and of just like genuine, like good communication. It seemed like healthy. Um, and so it made me wonder like, okay, is this like, are they going to be better as friends and will Joey and Dawson get to a place where they can also like mm. have a healthy mm-hmm. friendship and healthy yeah. communication and maybe they are better as friends. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that like maybe possibly their most healthy conversation was over a phone, not in the same room mm-hmm. together where they can be kind of. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I, I I genuinely thought that we wouldn't be seeing this plot line to begin with. So I'm like, I have no idea what they're going to do with this. I feel like we're in uncharted territory. I don't know what to expect. Um, but I, I feel like it's clear that they're both going through it. Like Mitch is quite literally in an emotional prison. Like after the phone call, he goes yeah. and stares through the blinds and it's the like red, the red. Yeah. It's the, the Jim Halpern through the blinds. <laughs> yeah. He's only looking through things like, it, like the fan. It the- looks like he's looking through bars yeah. behind yeah. the prison and he's so emotionally upset. In the next act, there's something more to that where he's just like literally looking at Gail through mm-hmm. the car windows mm-hmm. and stuff. Like he's always, he, he's going through it just like she is going through it. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, I'm thinking of Gail. One thing she's always doing, he's always looking through things. She's always uh, doing something with food, and in this case, she's eating ice cream, which is kind of an like she's you know emotional eating, Mm -hmm. maybe. But she's always in the kitchen, kind of doing something. And interesting, like when you know Dawson saw her and she was hiding the onions, cutting the onions, crying. I mean, my initial take is just that they're both going through the motions of the separation, and they don't need to do this. Like they're, they could be in a good place if they wanted to, but they've, I don't know. They're what's the, there's a fucking phrase that. Well, they're both being stubborn, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Neither one of them. Like you hitched your wagon. So now you have to deal with it or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. They're committed to this as, as their reality. And so they have to make it their reality. It's kind of how it feels because this, that phone call there, I guess the reason why I said like it, it felt like they both realized they shouldn't be doing it is because like, they're literally not saying anything in this. They yeah. called, I guess it's one thing to just call and check in and you know, it's the first time they're talking, but it's a separation. It feels like their communication should be like cut off unless it's serious. Cause they have shit to work on. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, well, you say cut off, and it reminds me of what you were. You pointed out that Gail is now on a cordless phone. Ah, yes. Which is different. Yes. She's cut free. Gail, in this episode, she had, when in this scene, when when, uh, Mitch calls, she answers the phone and she's on a cordless phone. Every time in the past, there's been a corded phone in the house. I didn't, I haven't been tracking this, and I definitely am not going to go back and watch every episode (laughs) to find when this happened. But this is the first time I noticed it as a thing and first i remember that big transition when we went from corded to cordless oh god that freedom was amazing (laughs) but two is there some symbology there where she is cut free off the hook yes and absolutely and mitch is not he is corded in an emotional prison locked down she can now walk around the house because i like you know she was went to another room whereas before she was in the kitchen stuck in there with Uh the corded phone yeah so some interesting things there. Also on the phone note, I'm curious, will they have cell phones by the very end of the final season? Oh, right? 2000s? I oh, they better. Right? Yeah. I feel like it was a while until cell phones were actually in, like portrayed in, in shows. So I'm kind of yeah. curious about that. Me too. <laughs> I bet Dawson gets the first phone. I want, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a plot point of like, you have two phones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I also was like, why isn't Mitch staying with his 
boat friend. Yeah. Right. Cole. Cole, thank cool, you. Cool. I love Cole. Polyamorous Cole. <laughs> yeah. Sexy Cole. I know. Uh, why is he in this like dingy motel? Also, speaking of uh, takeout, going back to episodes to like check on stuff, I wonder if this is the same motel that uh, they stayed with Joey at yeah. when she went uh-huh. to visit oh, her right. daddy yeah, in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I wonder. Because it looked, I remember like neon and it was yes. like raining. I want, it might have been reused footage. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we see. Uh, Andy or yeah, Pacey and Chrissy dancing and then Andy sees them. It's another one of those shots where it's like, how does she not see them right away? She's like in the hall. They're over there. She's like talking to these people like, and they're the only two people at the end of this hall awkwardly stepping from side to side. Like what was she doing? She was saying bye to like, Oh, to Jen and and, Jack. and Jack. Yeah. And then she turns around and yeah. Jack says something about, I think it was, I don't know. I couldn't quite get it. In that moment, though, he says something like, your ex-boyfriend has a hook. Was she talk? Is he talking about Jen's ex-boyfriend? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he was like delivering he... the line to Andy. Oh. It was really confusing to me that. in the moment. But yeah, that was kind of weird. Speaking of Christy, I think she's a succubus. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because first of all, she looks like she could be in an episode of Buffy. She's mm-hmm. got like that very mm-hmm. silver metallic makeup and she's dressed like any number of vampires would be. And also she's tempting and luring Pacey and then feeding off of his sexual energy, right? Like she only becomes interested in Pacey when she's like, wait, are you saying that <laughs> your pulse is high? <laughs> I think <laughs> Pacey's a vampire impression. with his well, collar and he's obsessed with smelling skin yes. when he's dancing. When he dances with Christy and with <laughs> yeah. Andy, He's like smelling their... <laughs> and he really grabs a handful of her hair. Yeah. Christy's hair, he's like... <laughs> and when, I mean, they had that scene where she was, where he's like, uh, she's like, you're cold to the touch. <laughs> you can't be in sunlight. And then he goes, say it. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was Moves wild. incredibly fast. Yes. And then they played Muse yeah. for an hour. Yeah. And there was that weird scene where they're all looking at their outfits in the mirror outside of the dance hall, but they couldn't see Pacey for some reason. He's like, oh, it's just my outfit. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. That was shocking. Yeah, it was weird. It's, it's weird that we didn't put it together until now. He's a vampire. One last thing, uh, just strong character writing here. I love that Abby is immediately kind of attracted to Dawson oh, after yes. he is super masculine and punches Jack. And she has that throwaway line. I was just like, yeah, that's yeah. like exactly yeah. what she would say. Who knew he had the testosterone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To Brett, who's like, uh-huh. hey. yeah, nice punch, champ. Or whatever she says. Also, we haven't talked about Abby, but she, I swear she's dressed like the model on like a gel in like the gel commercials in the 90s. That, yeah. Or she, maybe she looks like a uh, Mila Jovovich in the Resident Evil movie <laughs> or something. Yeah, her but, style is, whoa. Yeah, like, it's very aggressive. Yeah. Love and the also, choker. Very 90s. And her hair her is hair. just like, yes. Yep. Doing whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, well, let's go put some gel in our hair and uh, get ready for this dance we're about to have in the last act. Jack walks Jen back to her place where he tells her that his going after Joey feels like a lost cause. Oh. Jen tries to change his perspective by saying that it's a worthy pursuit and it's romantic while also thanking him for 
for a nice evening, for making her feel included, even though she knows that all he wanted was to maybe possibly give Joey a few more secret smooches. As Jack <laughs> begins his trek back home, Mitch drives past him back to his house where he watches Gail through the window from afar, both enraptured in the sadness of their dissolving relationship. Meanwhile, Pacey finds a very sad Andy on the Cape Side boardwalk. She rightly, rightfully gives him shit for dancing with Christy, but he says dancing with her was just wish fulfillment fantasy. He asks Andy why she even likes him, and she gives him a laundry list of adjectives and platitudes that appropriately express her feelings toward him. He admits that he was dancing with the wrong gal, and the two embrace and dance right then and there, leading to an extremely romantic smooch. Elsewhere, Dawson, disheveled with rage, enters his bedroom only to find Joey. She tries to apologize, but Dawson only wants to know what has become of the relationship and why she is always pulling away. She tells him that he's always been the goal, but now she's won the prize. She feels as though there's nothing left. She needs to find herself, and Dawson isn't a part of that picture. While she tries to leave, he tells her he loves her out of desperation. She reciprocates but still bounces through the window. Enraged, Dawson smashes up his bedroom as though he were Charles Foster Kane, <laughs> the Citizen Kane himself. When he looks out the window, Joey is running away from the house <laughs> in the cold, unknowable night. Mm. Yes. It's over. Wow. What a climactic end. And Dawson is now firmly at rock bottom, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, his his parents are split up. His house is basically a fucking mess. Now his room is a mess, and he just got dumped by his girlfriend, childhood best friend. His best friend is starting his own relationship and less available. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dawson is, like, pretty much alone now. And, uh, yeah, it's just a... What an interesting time to be Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm curious, uh, like how he will develop and grow from these events. It's cool seeing Dawson like learn a valuable lesson that shatters his cinematic world. The, the, that, the exchange of I love you's and her still ending it yep. breaks mm-hmm. his brain. He's like, but yeah. wait a minute, we said the thing. Yeah. You can't leave after saying the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, In the movies, you say this and then everything's fixed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I, you know, it's the, I love the contradiction of I love you, but it's over. It's uh, true to life. Yeah. And uh, complex love is real. And I'm glad that we're now experiencing Dawson, experiencing that for himself. It's, Really cool. Yeah. Um, now for everyone to roll their eyes at me um, for getting too into the weeds here, but uh, cinematic language, we've spoken about it a little bit. Um, and earlier, I think I talked about phallic imagery. Yeah. Um, and this is a big one. So phallic Im- imagery has always been such like a major part of like films overall, mise-en-scene, and so much so that like in academic circles, uh, when a male character is taken down a notch, usually that's referred to as a castration for that character. Um, mainly because the patriarchy obviously exists. It's indebted into everything, especially art from the 90s, you know, on. And in a famous example, Jack Nicholson's character in Chinatown is getting lost in his private eye investigation. His nose gets broken during then. Then he has to wear a rapage, like bandage Ah. over his nose. It's his castration. It's a visual of his protrusion getting broken. His penis is Ah. gone. His maleness is gone. 
All that being said, the final shots of this episode is Dawson going out onto his roof, seeing Joey leaving him. This entire episode, they've been talking about sex. Will it ever happen? And what does he do in reaction after smashing his bedroom? He looks over at the ladder, which is perched up like a giant phallus Mm -hmm. up onto the roof, and he kicks it down. He is the thing that breaks his own sexuality. He's castrating himself because of his own actions. This is what he gets, and it's he's doing it to himself. And I thought that was very smart and very, very purposeful. That's very, very interesting. I didn't view it that way, but you're totally right. I mean, it is himself blocking his cock blocking himself. Yeah, um, I thought this performance by both of them was really strong. Um, oh, they were great. Yeah, I was like very surprised and impressed. Um, that last scene. I was welling up with tears. Oh. I was like this just like it felt really real and just like so smart like just to see Joey come to this uh realization and was you know being able to like trust herself and really realize like what she needed um mm-hmm. and being able to communicate that was just like really really cool. It felt yeah, it and- just felt really mature and and good for people to see that mm-hmm. in on TV, right. you know. Yeah, I was really proud of her as a character for recognizing that she needs to be alone mm-hmm. to find herself, you know. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think it's like it was so powerful to see and it was really awesome. But I am also like she's asserting that Dawson has it all figured out. Like he knows what he wants and what his life is going to be. But does he? Like, I mean, yes, we know that he is obsessed with movies and that he thinks he's going to be a big movie dude, right? Mm-hmm. Making movies or writing movies, whatever it might be. But like, that's effectively a child, child, childish fantasy. Like that doesn't actually mean, just like when I was a kid, I was convinced I was going to be a professional soccer player, you know, cause I played uh, soccer my whole life. I'm got, it's gotta be that, right? Like. And, th- and then I was convinced I was going to be a physicist when I went to college. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm super smart. Oh, I got, I'm in physical. I'm going to be a physicist. You know, like I didn't know what the fuck I wanted. And I, I while I guess I totally I do agree with the sentiment that you she should be alone to find herself. The argument that he has it figured out and she doesn't. So she needs to this time to, to figure herself out is like, well, you guys are fucking 16 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nobody has it yeah. figured out here. They're only speaking with what they know at the yeah. time. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. I so, think like, yeah. you know, she kind of, from her perspective, she, what, and what she says is like, you know, this, my whole, you know, life or, you know, yeah. teenage years, whatever, like she, all she wanted was him. And now that, she has it. It's like, okay, She's I need, still, I need more than that. Like, yeah. who am I? And I think, you know, it's so fucked up of Dawson to be like, I've tried to give you what you've always wanted since you were a little kid for the last 15 years. The only thing you've wanted is me. Like he's like weaponizing this yeah. against yeah. her and saying, he's just trying to give her what she wants. Like, aren't I a good guy? You know, and it's like, dude, you aren't even listening to a single thing she's saying, because if you were, you know, you would see the writing on the wall, too. But he's in fantasy land. He's in cinematic land where, like, this is the chi- the Hollywood romance story, you know? So, of course, everything, just like his parents are going through the motions, he's going through the motions to fulfill this, this like, fantasy. 
wonder if it's um we've talked about like the how it might it probably is purposeful that they do not have good romantic chemistry whatsoever yeah. but they have really good fighting chemistry definitely yeah um i think that also plays into this the meta-ness of the narrative too of like the movie you know it's always going to be the opposite for him he wants the big romance right they're not going to get that chemistry but they are going to get fighting chemistry you know yeah uh going back to like the beginning of this act um we see jen say like to pursue his wants i.e joey yeah um and that felt like a little manipulative maybe you mean when she says keep fighting for your lost causes yeah when yeah when jen's talking to jack right yeah Yeah. Yeah. i actually viewed this as like well i think she was saying it to herself Mm. see she feel like she views herself as a lost cause yes yeah completely agree yeah but i mean but i doesn't know that maybe i think there's okay my read in the, that scene is Jen is digging for information to weaponize and or use to her own benefits, right? She, what does, what do we know about Jen? She was really hurt when Dawson and her split up. And then she was even more hurt when Dawson went to Joey. And while she's never necessarily like said, I'm going to break them up or I'm going to drive a wedge between them, her telling Jack to go after her after after confirming you really have feelings for her, don't you? Cause I couldn't see punching or like getting, taking a punch from Dawson for somebody I don't mm-hmm. like. And then telling her, telling him not to give up. It's like the only reason you could be doing that is to drive a wedge between the yeah. two of them. Yeah. And also you're like fishing for information. You're making this conversation happen. And the way that she's doing it is very like kind of flirtatious. Like she's being kind of bubbly and she's mm-hmm. being a little bit self-deprecating. She's, I think, She's playing a character in this moment. Jen, at, in in the narrative, she's playing a character back to like that flirtatious party Jen. Sure. Yeah. She's been all down and depressed and all of a sudden she's like, <laughs> Jack, you were so fun tonight. <laughs> and hey, she said you like, like Joey? <laughs> you know? And she also said you did a good job pretending you didn't want to be with somebody else, you know, told I, him that. So. so as much as I think that she is saying that specific line for herself, never give up on your lost causes because you don't know when your life might change, I think she's also doing it for herself in the sense that she's trying to break Dawson and Joey up. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe subconsciously, but like that's what she's trying right, to get yeah. out of it. Yeah. The gossip monger. Mm-hmm. She's becoming Abby. Mm. I really don't want her to be. I mean, this is all wish, wishful thinking on my part, but when I watched this, I was like, Oh, a genuine friendship between <laughs> the opposite sex heterosexuals. Like I really just hope this is like a new chapter for Dawson's Creek that shows that you can be friends with someone that you could have sex with, but you don't right. because you're just friends. Uh, uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> but maybe, I mean, you that would be know. amazing. Go ahead. Uh, Pacey and Andy's resolution. So it's coming, uh, Maybe yeah. a little too quickly for my taste, but yeah. at the yeah. same time, I do. I'm down with the resolution because I feel like it parallels Mitch and Gail in a really interesting way. Because both both Pacey and Andy are honest with each other, and that's how their resolution comes. And it feels very emotionally mature for them to find resolution, even though Pacey admits that he did something stupid. Instead of screaming, which is what yep. Jack would mm-hmm. do, Andy is kind of like. I can understand that perspective. And then Andy's down himself. She, unfortunately, it's another, here's a monologue about why you're the greatest man on earth, uh, which is a Dawson's Creek classic. Um, But they do find resolution in a mature way and they succeed through it. And 
it's earned. It, it feels like it's earned in a good way that feels organic to what the story was. And it's what Mission Gale need to do. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing, despite it being rushed a little bit. Right. I would have liked to maybe see this carry on for like another episode or two maybe, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, the scene right before this is Mitch watching Gale from his car. So it's interesting that, that that follows that, you know. Right. It feels purposeful. Yeah, it feels intentional. And at the same time as well, we've got Dawson and Joey dealing with the fallout of their own kind of... Everybody's dealing with temptation, right? Like Jack yeah. and Jack and Joey and Dawson love triangle, of course. And we've got Andy and uh, Christy and Pacey. And then we've got Fred. What was the fucking other Bob? Jack, Bob thank you, Softy oh, Bob. 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 Yeah. Softy Bob. Uh, Bob. Daddy <laughs> O'Leary. No, Daddy Leary and Mommy Leary. <laughs> Ma- man meat. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, man meat. Mr. Man meat. Okay, we got it. Right. All of these people are dealing. They have temptation at the center of their kind of like their core Mm -hmm. and each one is dealing with them in their own different way. And I think it is interesting that like we're seeing it being successfully navigated by Pacey and Andy, despite Pacey also betraying Andy. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I had written down that like, so it felt like we were seeing a lot of growth, like in general with the characters, but maybe the most with Pacey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I thought he did a really good job communicating his feelings really, like just really well to Andy. Wow. We did it. We did it. Episode six in the books. Wowie. Great app. Yeah. All right. So that moves us on to our wrap up. We've got ratings, baby, baby, baby. Uh, my rating is a four. Uh, I thought wow. this was a, uh, ooh, wow. Oh, I'm just surprised. I feel, wow. Okay, sorry, go ahead, please. Uh, like, wow, like, should be higher, or wow, it should be lower. I was, I, honestly, Cody, I was expecting you to be like, I thought this episode was a 1.2. Damn. Because, oh. <laughs> anyway, continue, please. Uh, sorry, yeah, I thought it was uh, strongly written uh, with well-developed themes that were true to the contradictions of our favorite characters, and from a Joey fan standpoint, I love that she's choosing herself in this instance and that Dawson's worldview on romance and love is being challenged. So I thought it was a strong app. I mean, the only reason it's not stronger is that Jen is sidelined. And yeah. I just wish that they would do the Seinfeld thing of the core four, get their own stories, and then by the end of the episode, they all interconnect. Yes. And, and obviously Seinfeld's a comedy and that would be done for a joke, but they could do that here and it would be interesting and then they'd all be focused on. So... Yeah, but yeah, for now four. Yeah, it was strong up. I will also give it a four. Um, I thought it was good pacing. Uh, the use of the dance was great for creating drama with everyone and all of the storylines. Um, plus, I'm a sucker for dancing, so I love seeing all the dancing. Of course, <laughs> um, I love that Joey has decided that she needs to be on her own for a while. Um, but also bummed that Jen is still sad and lonely. You know, but I have a feeling that um, Joey and Jen might become closer after this. So I'm hoping we'll see some of that. Um, you know, maybe Jen will realize how shitty Abby is as a friend. Hopefully. I am also going to give it a four. Um, yeah, overall I thought the episode was very strong. Lots of emotional maturity, growth, honesty, um, relatability, just, yeah, lots of like conversations I felt were fresh and, relatable mm-hmm. um and yeah echoing just love joey standing up for herself yeah 
All right. Well, I have to be the detractor here. I'm not docking it too much. I'm rating this a 3.75. Uh, I like that we actually finally got some more consequences. This season is continuing to just give us like fallout for things. I thought there was some really strong and undeniable themes. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of paranormal activity mm. here. My... Uh, my theories continue to pan out, and they are also undeniable. I thought there was really good music throughout this episode. We didn't really talk about it much. I thought it was thematically appropriate. There wasn't quite enough of it. There were a couple weird silence parts, and there were also some weird fakeouts where they would play songs that I was sure were something, and then they turned out to be something else completely entirely. Um, but the things I didn't really like is that there was just a ton of angry acting a lot of, in my opinion, bad angry acting. I have talked a lot about Katie Holmes's angry acting, and this episode was just basically that. And uh, there's no real B or C plots going on in this one. It's pretty much everybody going through the same thing at the same time in the same place. Um, yeah, they all have kind of different angles on it, but it's like, to your point, Cody, can we please get to where like people are doing their own things and they meet up in the end? Mm -hmm. I prefer that you know but anyway uh that's uh a 3.75 from me right on are we doing recommendations yeah, yeah. okay yeah. On, okay recommendations cool. yeah we're bringing it back yes we Listen, are popular demand yeah. yep. <laughs> that from one instagram user right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's back baby no we, we just like telling you. people about what what we do outside of this yeah so shall I kick it off? We'll do in reverse order or what do we want to do? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So I am going to be recommending something a little bit different. I'm going to be recommending a mobile game called Doncaster. I have been obsessed with this game. Full disclosure, it does cost $4.99. So go pay for it. It's on iOS. It's on Android. It's on anything. Uh, it's for fans of like Slay the Spire or uh, any kind of TCG. It's basically a mobile deck building game with fantasy classes. It's really fun um, and simple to play play there's a lot of lizards um yeah doncaster i recommend it also um on that same note i would like to recommend dawn of eternal night an annihilation of planet earth and the beginning of merciless damnation or as it's also called petrodragonic apocalypse the new album from king gizzard and the lizard mm. wizard it's fantastic i honestly don't remember how many albums have been released in the time uh, that we've been away but this is the most recent one and it's fantastic go listen to dragon is that that's the metal one right yes Cool uh, polyrhythms. Yes. Sound like Tool. Tons of them. If you're a fan of Tool, go listen to the song Witchcraft because it's basically a Tool song. Yeah. It's I like don't a, know Tool, but that's what I hear. Uh, <laughs> when they get to those polyrhythms, I don't even know what time we're playing in anymore. I was having the time of my life. Yeah. Friend of the show, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. He sent me a cool infographic of the album that showed all of the different time signature changes in the album mm. and all the different thematic uh, motifs that occur in return. And it's really cool. I'll probably post it in my story and none of you will ever see it, but go try and find it. <laughs> By the time you're hearing this, that story will be long gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am going to recommend a game, a video game <gasps> called Night in the Woods. Ooh. Uh, I finished it recently. Um, it's a story-based game. Uh, sorry, story-focused exploration game, according to Wikipedia. Um it follows a character, May, um, who is like the the animation is like really cute, and the main character is a cat. Everyone is Ooh. like a different animal. Um, May has dropped out of college, returns home, and like 
weird things happen. The cat dropped out of college? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're all like, yeah, fully formed characters. Uh. (laughs) Um, And it is, so at first I was like, it was like really slow and I kind of like gave up on it. I was like, because I was wanting something more. I just finished Ori, which is like Mm. really fast paced and there's a lot going on. Uh, Night in the Woods is very, very slow. Um, and, and then I got back into it and the writing is really funny. It's really smart. Um, really sweet. There's great music. All the animation is beautiful. Um, and yeah, it, it, there's a lot of like mental health Hmm. stuff as part of the story. Um, some spooky stuff. It's also a little cozy because it like gets into like the autumn Halloween times. Um, yeah, I know this game. I I wanted to play it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I really loved it. Um, Just Googled it. The art style is really oh, cute. Yeah, yeah. Like it is really precious. You can like the, um, there's like four friends that like play in a band together and you can like go to band practice oh, and like so play guitar and that's really fun. Um, lots of, lots of cute little details. That's cool. Okay. I am going to recommend a podcast called... Beach too sandy, water too wet. Anyone heard of this? No. Okay. Oh, man. Good. I was I was thinking you guys might have heard of this, but okay. A comedy podcast featuring dramatic readings of one star reviews written by real people with not so real problems. Host it's hosted by siblings Alex and Christine Schieffer. And they are it's just hilarious. They read one star review or they they take submissions. So you can submit like one star reviews that you find of anything. And they they do like different themes. So some of my favorite ep- uh, episodes so far have been reviews of Spirit Halloween, which mm-hmm. we just listened to. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, reviews of Whole Foods. Review. They did uh, for a while. They did. This is. It's been going on for a while. So they did like reviews of different things in different cities. So they actually have one for reviews of bookstores in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome! So that one's great. Um, so yeah, they, they read one star reviews, and then each episode they have a challenge unrelated to the main theme. So for example, like one of them will ha- challenge the other to find reviews with the word daddy in yeah. them <laughs> and then they have to read them. And then they like, they usually throw in like a few readings of interesting five-star reviews that are all, that are like good, but yeah, it's fun. Cool. <laughs> it's really lighthearted and funny and it's an easy listen. I think that, you know, people who love our very witty and very deep humor mm-hmm. will like the relief that this show will offer. Uh, real quick, that just reminds me when I was on that bachelor trip, uh, we were looking for a restaurant to eat at. And so we were looking at Google reviews and we found this one restaurant that was a town away and we're like, oh, maybe we should do it. I don't know. We're looking at reviews and every fucking review mentioned McDonald's. <laughs> what? For, there's, for no reason. The review of the restaurant? Of yes. this other restaurant? Yes, of this <laughs> other restaurant that's not McDonald's. Everyone in the reviews was like, would have rather gone to McDonald's. Weird. Or someone saying... Uh, like, uh, like the chicken strips were good, but not as good as McDonald's chicken nuggets. Weird. It's like, oh, like the atmosphere wasn't very fun. I would rather have been sitting in a McDonald's. Like what the fuck is wrong with that? I bet it's all McDonald's employees who are like, we have to do something about, I'm assuming it's Burger King. Was it Burger King? (laughs) (laughs) We really wanted to celebrate that night. (laughs) Yeah, it was very weird. I'll I'll submit some of those. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, speaking of Ryan, so over the course of the break, I wanted to visit a blind spot in my cinema watching and, uh, which is Hong Kong Kung Fu. I've only seen like a couple. I had only seen a couple 
And I was about to say, uh, you've seen more than a couple. (laughs) And uh, I was telling that to Ryan and Ryan was like, here's my Arrow video streaming account. Like I'll just loan you uh, my account and you can watch as many as you want. And I have watched as many as I want. Uh, Every day. Every day. Every day. (laughs) Uh, Kung Fu rules. So You doing okay, Stella? (laughs) I know she'll like it. She just doesn't want to give it a shot. Um, so I uh, want to do uh, a recommendation for my favorite of the bunch that I've watched, uh, Lau Kar Lung's 1984 Shaw Brothers film, The Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. <laughs> it stars martial arts legend Gordon Liu as a member of a family dynasty that gets targeted by a government official conspiring with the Mongols. With most of his family murder, he seeks refuge in a Buddhist temple where they teach him the ways of the eight diagram pole fighting as a means to set some wrongs right. I cannot stress how incredible the fight choreography is without hyperbole. It's some of the best I've ever seen in any movie. And that's like the matrix crouching tiger, hidden dragon, but this movie's from the early eighties. It is mind blowing. The stunts they are probably doing. And it was probably all against any kind of rule in the world because people are like flying off like two story buildings. and stuff. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Just like the fight sequences from start to finish are amazing, but the climax is so out of control. It was Really cool. I first watched this on Aero Streaming, and then a week later, they announced they were playing at a Hollywood theater because oh, they do kung fu yeah. cinema. And the last 20 minutes of this movie is so insane that the audience was literally screaming and oh. like applauding and just like, just ah! like through the entire <laughs> thing. And it was a sold out show. So it was wow. a thrill. It was so wow. much fun. So, yeah, if you're into action movies if you like kung fu and haven't seen this or you just want to watch something that's like very goofy and entertaining like eight diagram pull fighter is gonna blow your mind you have to watch it as soon as possible what's the title one more time the eight diagram pull fighter but also like every hong kong kung fu movie it has like 20 other different sure, titles. of course that is awesome i want to watch that it's sick as hell you log all the movies that you watch correct i do i'm on letterboxd if you want to follow me um do you know how many Kung Fu movies you've watched now? In general, probably like 50, but Ooh. like over the last, um, like the last like three months, probably, probably 30. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been wild. I mean, it's, it's an easy, uh, spiral to go down. I mean, it's, it's fucking crazy. Cause you see like one director, and you're like, love that guy's style. He shoots fight sequences super well. I want to see other stuff that he's done. And <laughs> the next thing you know, you want to jump off a building and do backflips. So, wow. Well, next time on Freaks and Creeks, we will be talking about season two, episode seven, The All Nighter, where an all night study session rates friction and unveils some surprises for Dawson and his friends. Oh boy. Wowie. Also, of note in that Max description, it says rates. I don't think they yeah. that's the right word, but that's what Max has it listed as. And I think it was supposed to be raises. Probably. Yeah, that would make yeah. more sense. Or hmm. creates. And they're creates. just like, oh. But since that's the official, probably AI created yep. synopsis, <laughs> huh. that's what you get. Thanks, Max. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set through Dawson's Creek one episode at a time. If you want more Freaks content, please visit our website, freaksandcreeks.com and find us on Instagram at freaksandcreekspod. You can also write to us at show at freaksandcreeks.com. And uh, I don't know, there's probably other social medias you can find us at too. 
Otherwise, until next time, bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.